another exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.net and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the estranged Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. How, how, who are you and how you been? That's what I was about to say. Who the hell is, who am I talking to? I don't understand. I know. I thought this was Michael Bailey or Angie's show or Stella's or Tom's or Keith's. I don't, I don't know who you are, buddy. This is like those awkward issues of World's Finest where Batman and Superman stopped teaming up and Superman had like different guest stars. It's really <laughs> weird. That ran for like a year. It was really, really odd. This is, this is, that's not that those episodes were, were, were those co-stars are, were bad. It was just, just a weird setup. Just every week that you were on with somebody different and I was on with somebody different and you were on with somebody different again. It's, it's, it all felt very, very odd. I enjoyed them all, but it's, it's. It was. It was. We were doing like a, a bifurcated show. It, well, we really were, and I. I got to tell you, I really enjoyed hearing Ange on the show. Yes. That was fantastic. I really enjoyed hearing Michael Bailey on the show. Um, I think in the future, let's just have them record together, and and you and I can just have a couple weeks off altogether. Save right? a whole lot of time. Yeah. Hell yeah! So, um, <laughs> and all of this, folks, just so you know, it is my fault. This time of year for my job, I am on the road a whole bunch. The life of a door-to-door spatula salesman is very, very rough. And uh, what I've been doing is on all these trips, I've been trying to make arrangements to stop off and visit with other fans uh, of Firestorm, other fans of Aquaman, uh, nuclear subs, whatever. So it's just going to run down some of the people I've visited with. So uh, so far in the what I'm calling the 2015 World Tour Fire and Water Podcast, I visited in New Jersey. I visited with Gene Hendricks from the Hammer Strikes Podcast and some other guy named Rob Kelly. Then in Virginia, I visited with Stella from the Batgirl to Oracle and Tom Panarese from Pop Culture Affidavit and In Country. And then in North Carolina, I visited with Keechi Baker, who's been a longtime supporter of the show. And we, he and I went to Capital Comics, too, by the way, in his town. And all those folks that I just named, you've actually heard on the show already. Now, the next group of people, you should be hearing from some of them in the future. We've recorded bits in almost all, every single one of these visits. So. And some of these people have been on the show as well. 
That's true. Uh, and, you know, that's fair. I'll mention that as I go through here. Uh, in Michigan, I visit with Doug Zawisha, who's been on the show before. He's also writes for Comic Book Resources. I visit with David Sopko, who does the Shout of the Devil, Blue Devil podcast. In Ohio, I visit with Professor Alan Quarterman, who's been on the show before, and his daughter Emily. You can find them at the Relatively Geeky Network. Visit with Tom Zoller, who does Loving Capes in Long Distance. And little Russell Burbage from Legion of Super Bloggers, and Van Z, who's a huge supporter of the show and a classic DC lover. JC Baru, who goes by Retcon. Remember Retcon and Claymation Howell? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I met him! So uh, that was great. And Michael Bradley was there from the Superman Batman podcast and Parallel Lines. And we all went to Pack Rat Comics in Ohio, which was so, dude, one of the coolest comic shops I've ever been. Just absolutely great. Then in Kentucky, I met with, yeah, that's right. Your buddy, Chris Franklin, from the Your Power Records show. I have met him face-to-face. We have hung out. I'm His su- wife, what's super, that? I'm super jealous about that. Yeah, it was great. We had a great time. We hung out all afternoon. We went to Heroes Realm. Uh, he's also, by the way, also does the Supermates podcast with his wife. But Cindy was too scared to come to hang out with us. I think my... Um, my manliness was just a little too much. The fear was that you know she would swoon over me right in front of Chris, and I and we didn't want to do that to him. That just didn't seem right. So anyway, then in uh, we had a great time, and then in Georgia, hung out with Michael Bailey, of course, from Views in the Long Box, from Crisis to Right Crisis. He's been on this show several times, uh, and got to see John Godwin and his girlfriend Rachel, who are big supporters of the show. Also, that was a Dragon Con. Also, while I was there, I hung out with. I don't even remember somebody named Robbie Amell and someone named Danielle Panabaker. <laughs> I don't know. I think they're actors or something. Got to meet them, got my pictures with them, shook their hands, talked with both of them for a few minutes. They're very appreciative of everything Firestorm Fan does and, and the fans of the shows, and uh, that was really cool. And that's just the beginning. I have more trips ahead of me, actually, which means we're going to have more bifurcated shows. But you're going to hear audio from a lot of those folks in the coming months where I'll, you know, we'll do something on the front end, and then we'll slip in a few minutes of uh, you know, me and Doug Zawisha talking about Roger Stern and Tom Lyle's Starman and stuff like that. So looking forward to sharing that with all you guys. Well, folks, as you're listening to the podcast today, as we're going to cover uh, the wow, – this is our review episode, isn't it? <laughs> we're a little behind. <laughs> yeah, we're two months behind, actually. We're going to be covering Aquaman number 43 and classic Firestorm number 23. Admit it. You missed it. And this, what, Miss Classic? Yes. Yeah, I did. I'm going to let you say it later in the show. So – it's been two months since we did our last review show. you got to go all the way back to episode 134. But we're going to catch you up. But as, as you're going through it, if you feel like tweeting about it or being on Facebook or whatever, use the hashtag PoundFWPodcast, please. That will help make it easier for us to find your comments and for everyone to find you uh, and you know, tell you why you're wrong for what you think. But, Rob, with all that, I think it's time to talk about some guy that talks to fish, but yes. doesn't seem to anymore. Uh, yeah, Aquaman forty-three. This is gonna. This is gonna go quick. Uh, this is, <laughs> it's uh, Aquaman forty-three. It's Gospel of Destruction by Cullen Bunch, Trevor McCarthy, Jesus Marino, and Guy Major. Uh, it opens with yet another flashback. Um, Aquaman talking to Mira, and she doesn't like the fact that she's being left in charge of Atlantis. And in fact, she gets so mad that she blasts him with her hard, hard water powers, calling him a traitor. She's like, what? The what is going on? We then flash forward to the present, and Aquaman and uh, Aqualad slash Garth and the rest of the Atlantean Wrecking Crew are temporarily uh, <laughs> cease their fighting to band together and take on the giant creature with just moments before it popped out of the ground. It's that giant, like, drill-headed thing that looks like the sort of Paul Pope, Ray Harryhausen creature. So they band together, fight the creature, and, of course, defeat it. There's another flashback, Aquaman. We see he visits a temple that houses Poseidon, 
who kind of looks like Jabba the Hutt, and he explains these other invaders from the other dimension who they are, and he deigns to decide to... He helps Aquaman by preparing him for battle, and he gives him this trident that we now see that he's using with all the different powers and stuff. And then we cut back to the present. Aquaman and the gang are fighting off the giant. They call a momentary truce. Uh, they take off, and unbeknownst to Arthur, there are people watching this whole fight, and it's two women, Mira and her twin sister, Siren. Dun, dun, dun. And it says, next, call her Siren, and that is the end of the issue. That is my super great abbreviated plot uh, synopsis. I was uh, very happy to see Siren introduced into this world because, you know, um, she's... I mean, they did this version way back in the 60s Aquaman comic where they had Aquaman's sister, um, Hyla. Um, but Wait, this, Aquaman's sister, Hyla? I'm sorry, or... Mira's sister. It's very late. Okay. Mira's sister, Hyla. Uh, um, Jeff Johns, when he created Siren, says that is not his version of it, but it sort of kind of is. But anyway, I'm glad to see this Jeff Johns character brought back from Blackest Night. And it, so, it you know, it kind of brings some of that old school fun back into Aquaman. Um Back in this uh, current version. So I'm sort of, you know, excited to see where it goes. And I'm happy to see that maybe Mira is not quite so uh, mad at Aquaman as it might seem. I uh, I have a real love-hate relationship with this issue. Um, I love the art in the flashbacks. Um, I don't. Is that Jesus who's doing those? I don't... I, I believe can't. so, yeah. Okay. I love that art. Like, he does this amazing panel treatment, guys. If, if you haven't seen the issue, just flip through it at the comic book shop. He does – and maybe it's not panel treatment, but there's – yeah, it's panel treatment. Okay. All kinds of real detailed, fine, Baroque sort of flashy gold, shiny special stuff all around the panels in the flashback. It looks and, a lot like Craig Hamilton. Uh, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's very beautiful. And then the renditions of Mera and Aquaman look great. I think they, they look wonderful in the flashback scenes. I, at first I was like, what the hell? Why is Mera beating the crap out of Aquaman? I was not happy about that, you know. But then by the end when you find out it's actually her sister, that everything was like, oh, okay, I feel better about all this stuff. Did you notice that, like, Mera in the beginning is wearing a slightly different costume than the, the Mera who's being held hostage? Like, the Mera in the beginning has got... The green, you know, low-cut V-neck or whatever, but there's no collar. Right. And then when you get to the last page and you see Mara who's been locked up, she's got the old-school white collar from the 70s. Yep, yep. So the question is, how long has Mara been replaced by Siren if she's got this old-school costume on? I mean, and quite frankly, good on Aquaman, banging both sisters. I'm proud of him. Fair. Way to go, Arthur. <laughs> I've missed you. Come on, you guys knew that was coming. <laughs> that, that, I telescoped that a long time ago. Anyway, uh, so I, where the hate comes in is when he goes to meet Dex from uh, Attack of the Clones, which you called Poseidon. He, he, everything goes back to another legend with Atlantis again. I, you notice I skipped all that because I, I just don't give a flying fish about <laughs> Atlantean. As, as I put it on the review... Uh, Atlantean jibber jabber. I just don't. I, 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 I said this at the last episode. I don't know why writers can't stay away from that stuff. Every fucking issue of Aquaman has <laughs> did some. Did you just drop an F bomb? I did. Every <laughs> single issue has three or four pages where it's like, back in the olden days of Atlantis. <laughs> I don't care anymore. Stop telling me. Shut up. 
you know, they're gonna by the end they're gonna have so many stories of Atlantean's past that they're gonna have to come out with a continuity guide just oh. because it's gonna be like Peter Parker's origin where you, or Peter Parker's story. Where you look and go, he couldn't have done all this in fifty years. There's no way it's gonna be Atlantis. They couldn't have done this in a hundred oh centuries. There's God. no way. <laughs> so, and then uh, they've Sorry, got. They've got uh, what am I trying to say? Nosferatu? No. They've got Voldemort. They got three Voldemorts working with Siren there. Do you notice that? Uh, yeah. So I don't know what that. I mean, they they look like Nosferatu's to me. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. They also look like Nimbus from the Omega Men. Oh, they do. <laughs> That's what's happening. Someone has gotten word to them our feelings about the Omega Men, and they're doing this to us on purpose. By the way, did you mention the Kraken in the battle? No, I didn't. So Aquaman finished the battle. And that, that bears the question, if Aquaman could have called the Kraken in at any time to wrap this up, why hasn't he pulled that trigger before now? I, I, well, I guess the Kraken is sort of like a nuclear device. You can't only use it too many times. Okay, I suppose. That's, that's a good no prize. I, 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 you know, I will, be, I will try to be honest here. It's, I, I kind of don't care anymore. To okay. be honest, I it, I am just like I was. I've been reading some articles about the new Fifty Two and like DCU and whatever the next thing they've got planned after this. And it's I don't know. I kind of get to the point where I'm like, you know, this is just in a year DC's probably going to upend all this anyway. You know, I'm I'm, I'm counting on that. So it's kind of like eh, I I don't want to say I don't care about Aquaman because of course I do. I do. I, you know, but. I, I have reached my sort of limit with like how much I'm going to get invested in what's going on in any given issue anymore, because I just kind of like okay, yeah, they're, this is what they're going to do, and then then you know the next new. Th- I mean, think about when we started this show, and it was at the dawn of the new Fifty Two. The way that they pitched that, yep. that it was literally like, hey guys, this is like the beginning of the Silver Age of comics again, and. Just the fact that, like, in less than four years, they're like, "Oh yes, we we're we're, we're just kind of messing with all that." <laughs> you know, like, it's just like I think I've just gotten to the point. I'm like, "Okay, do what you want, DC. I'll buy an Aquaman book, whatever you put out, I'll buy it because it's Aquaman." Fine. <laughs> so, let, let me let me see if I've got this right, Rob. You have become not an angry fan anymore. You've become an apathetic fan who just wants to read comics he enjoys for joy. Hmm. Mm. Sound like somebody you know from about, I don't know, six months ago? You're I where I was six months ago. Who was I, I hosting just... the show with six months ago? I don't remember. <laughs> what, 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 trip, what, what part of the Smell the Glove tour were you on at that point? I don't remember. What is, what is that Smell the Glove? That's the second time I've heard you Have say Have you that. not seen This is Spinal Tap? Oh, my gosh. One not of the funniest movies years. ever made. That's the tour they're on is the Smell the Glove tour. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. Well, that explains why I didn't get the reference. So... So the love-hate relationship, I love the art in the flashbacks. I love that Mara's been a doppelganger. I love that Aquaman banged both the sisters. I hate the, oh, Aqu- the Atlantean flashback. I really could care less about the, as you called them, Atlantean, uh, what you call it? Jibber-jabber. Well, no, no, the, the, the chain gang? No, the wrecking crew? The Atlantean wrecking crew. Atlantean yeah. wrecking crew. Yeah. I couldn't care less about that, those scenes. I was just like, okay, get these over. I mean, I'm happy that Garth's back. I I guess I I like that there is a concept of Garth, but I don't see any sign of him in there yet. Well, but I mean they're clearly headed. In that okay, and then 
Dex, again, Dex from Attack of the Clones is Poseidon. I don't know what that's about. I, <laughs> He's going to offer Aquaman some death sticks. <laughs> I, think, I think so. I mean, it's just like, what the heck? So, Anyway, all in all, it, I actually liked this issue more than any of the other ones I've read yet uh, in the new run. So it, it's on the upswing for me. I'm looking forward to next month, see where this pans out. And then in six months, when these guys are off the book, we'll see what happens. Okay. That's just my prediction. That's mm-hmm. not really saying that's happening, guys. And um, We do know for a fact that the Aquaman book, no matter what happens to it, will be published by DC for at least the next several years because they want it out there when the movie comes out. I wouldn't be surprised if it actually gets a relaunch as it gets closer to the movie. Right. Just so they could have a number one on the shelf again. Probably, yeah. And it just seems like that would be the logical thing well, to I do. Well, I just mean that there will be an Aquaman Yes, there will be an Aquaman monthly book. So, who knows? Maybe there'll be two books again at some point. (laughs) Hey, they did it. Aquaman and the Omega Men. Oof. Oof. (laughs) No, it's going to be the Fire and Water book. That's what it's going to be. That'd be cool. That would be the bomb diggity. Dan Jurgens could do both. Could write, could do it. All right, folks. Uh, with that really forced segue, uh, we're going to go over <laughs> to the, the other half of this show, which is we're going to cover. Rob, could you tell me the title of this comic? What do you mean the title of this comic? Well, what do you what do you call this comic book? The Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Man Classic. There it is. Oh, I see. Oh, that's what you wanted. How I right. missed that. Yes. All right. That issue number twenty three, cover dated May nineteen eighty four, released on February second. 1984, so if you want to get a fresh copy, hop in your Wayback Machine. That's where you need to go, February 2nd, 1984. Thanks to Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics for that. By the way, when you go back in time, be sure to bring 75 pennies with you and a little bit extra for the tax, depending on where you are, because that's what's going to cost you. Unless you go to Oregon, no sales tax in Oregon, just saying. Anyway, I just came from there. Dude, the comic book store called Cosmic Monkey in Portland is so friggin' cool. Oh, my gosh. Go to Facebook. Look at the pictures. By the way, if you want to see pictures of my adventures, I've been putting a bunch of crap on Facebook, so you can go out there and find me. All right. So, also on Tinder. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, cover by Raphael Cannon and Dick Giordano. Really, really interesting cover. It's got Firestorm laying across a monitor, uh, and he is beat up pretty badly, and it says, Against the shocking power of bite. And bite is spelled B-Y-T-E. And on the monitor, you see this sort of ghostly image of a woman's face. And then uh, it's a lot of intricate detail on this cover. Really, really, almost Perez-level intricate detail. And clearly, you know, Firestorm has lost the battle against this, uh, what appears to be an audio mixing board. <laughs> and uh, he's completely helpless, which is great. And also, I think it's clever, the use of the number 23 over by his knee, since this is issue 23. So, I, I love this cover. I think it's a great one. So, all right, at a 10,000-foot level... <laughs> Um, what are you laughing at? You, you missed these, don't you? I didn't miss that at all. The 10,000-foot level? Thing? I didn't hear neither Ange or Michael Bailey ever once enter the phrase 10,000-foot level. You know what? You should sit in more corporate meetings. Um, <laughs> no, I shouldn't. <laughs> no, actually, you're right. You shouldn't. At a 10,000-foot level, um, this, this is really a story of the mistakes we make in our youth. And the unexpected consequences of that. And and that's not really readily apparent in this issue alone. Once you read this issue and the follow-up, which is next issue, you'll see that as more. Again, it's, the, it's mistakes we make as our, in our youth and, and how those consequences can affect you. So this is a Jerry Conway, Carla Conway, Raphael Cannon, Roden Rodriguez, Adam Kubert, and Carl Gafford joint. 
Uh, this comic has got approximately six different scenes spread out across 23 pages. When it opens, Firestorm is flying around New York contemplating uh, what Ronnie's future career path is going to be. And Ronnie and the professor are discussing back and forth. And they even consider certified public accountant at one point, which is kind of creepy for me. Um, anyway, then uh, they come across a runaway train. Which, you know, when don't you see a runaway train, right? So it's barreling down a bridge. It's about to go over the edge and cause a huge, huge mess. And lots of people are going to die. So Prof Firestorm intercedes and Professor advises Ronnie to create a giant magnet to grab the train as it's flying off the drawbridge so nobody gets hurt. Brilliant idea. Hooray! They save the train. Boo! Turns out that the, on the train was a bunch of sensitive software and they have erased all the software. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. So, uh, the representative for the company, apparently, who was on the train, because I guess she travels with the equipment, she comes out and starts chewing out Firestorm and says that he just cost them $8 million in software uh, that they've developed. And uh, this company representative is furious. She says she's going to sue Firestorm for uh, malpractice. Now, you, at home, you might be asking yourself, why is Shag dancing around who this lady is? Who is this representative? I'm dying to know, Shag. You have to tell me. Yes, that's right, folks. It's Felicity Smoke. <laughs> Woo! Future TV star. Future TV star, uh, television show Arrow, Felicity Smoke. This is, in fact, her very first appearance in comic books. She looks nothing like Felicity Smoke on TV. This is a lady in maybe her mid-30s. She's got black curly hair. Um, nothing like the gorgeous blonde on, on the Arrow show, but you know what? She's still a beautiful lady. She's still very powerful. She's still into technology and computers, and uh, it's a... Uh, this is where she started. So there we go. So Firestorm is feeling pretty bummed out here because, you know, he, he tried to save everyone. And apparently that, you know, in doing so, he screwed up. And now he's in a lot of trouble. So he's, he's very upset with his superhero life. He feels like it's a complete mess. Next, we cut over to Bradley High School. It's the afternoon, and they're in... We are, it's kind of a goofy scene. We are joining Ronnie during practice for a school play, the production of Hamlet. Ronnie is playing Horatio. His girlfriend, Doreen, is playing Gertrude. Cliff Carmichael is playing Hamlet. And uh, we're introduced to a character named Blythe Bonner, who's apparently the daughter of the director, and she is playing Cordelia. Cliff pulls a prank on Ronnie, causes some trouble, and then, um, then Cliff tries to hit on this young lady, Blythe, and Blythe rebukes his advances basically blowing him off. Well, three days later, Cliff decides to take his revenge, um, not on Blythe, but on her poor brother. Her brother is named Barney, who has a terrible uh, teasing nickname of Bug. So Barney Bug Bonner, uh, Cliff tr uh, trips him, basically, knocks over a bunch of his books, taking out his frustration with Blythe on him. Ronnie stops to help Barney, and they start talking about it. turns out Barney's really into computers. And Ronnie, again, Ronnie's looking for a career path, so he's like, hmm, maybe I should go into computers. And Barney tells him all about this computer fair that's coming up soon. Ronnie says, I'll see you there. Then we cut to a scene with Firehawk, who, by the way, is secretly Lorraine Riley, daughter of Senator Riley. She travels to Washington, D.C., and there Lorraine asks a reporter who's about to run a story on her father if, she'll, if, he'll, if she will hold the story off because the story is going to tarnish her father's reputation even further than it already is. The reporter says, no luck, she's moving forward, and uh, Lorraine sort of storms off. Now back as Firehawk, she's flying through Washington, D.C. skies when she's attacked by a drone plane. In her anger, she makes quick work of the drone plane and shoots it down. And meanwhile, we find out as the audience that this is all being observed by some mysterious viewer. And uh, this Siren. woman... <laughs> not siren. Okay. But, the, but this woman's very happy with the results, and she mentions the 2000 committee plans to control Firehawk using her emotions. Now, let's think about this, folks. It's a woman, part of an espionage group, purple lighting, 
I'm thinking lilac tinted whore. What about you? Oh. Then over at the <laughs> National Computer and Peripherals Industry Show, um, there's a, it's, this is a giant electronics trade show that you know Barney had told Ronnie about. Ronnie's there, and um, the, it's got all kinds of cool stuff, including a talking robotic kiosk who like answers questions, which is pretty neat. So Ronnie goes there. He bumps into Professor Stein, who's there with a gorgeous woman named Belle Haney. And apparently they're both Stanford grads and they work together at Concordance. Now, there's no specific indication that there's romance going on between the professor and Belle going on here. But it looks kind of questionable. And then, it, and when you first do see them, they are over there talking to a nurse, which sort of makes me wonder, you know, are they ever doing like a sexual compatibility test? I'm not really sure. But either way, she's totally hot. The only downside of this is that the artist draws her to look exactly like Rain, Lorraine Riley. I mean, the two are indistinguishable. And uh, apparently she has one of those temperature-sensitive, color-changing dresses, because uh, when we first see her, she's wearing a yellow dress. But the minute she sees Ronnie, she starts to get a little hot. It turns green and stays green the rest of the issue. Uh, Harry Carew also shows up. He's that tool who works at Concordance that's sort of friends with the professor. He's there as well. And so Blythe Bonner shows up as well, who's the actress who's in the play that... Um, told uh, Cliff to go jump in a lake, basically. So Ronnie's looking around the computer uh, expo. He starts to feel like he's out of his depth. Clearly, computers is not a future for him. So he ends up playing some video games. And, you know, I started thinking about this. You know, maybe computers isn't the way to go to him for him, but who knows? Maybe Ronnie has a future as a structural engineer, you know? Just saying, Star Labs might be hiring. Hint, hint, flash, whatever. So the giant robotic kiosk goes haywire and starts attacking Belle Haney, this lady who was with Professor Stein. Harry Carew jumps in, tries to save her. Ronnie and the professor transform into Firestorm, but they can't seem to zap the robot. Now, it's, it's just a robot. Why? Firestorm's powers is allows him to change um, non-organic things. For some reason, the powers are backfiring on him. It's The robot is reacting as if it's organic. Huh? What's causing this? We don't know. So Firestorm decides to go for a not indirect attack, and he turns the ceiling into gooey bubblegum, which drips down and, and slows the robot down, and, and Firestorm's able to free Bell Haney. Then there's this giant electrical flash, and Ronnie, and I shouldn't say Ronnie, I'm sorry, Far, Firestorm is confronted by this electrified, blue-and-white clad woman who calls herself Bite, B-Y-T-E. And uh, she says she's there to punish Belle Haney. Apparently, Belle has hurt too many people. There's a five-page fight, lots of electrifying, flying in and out of electronics. Apparently, this woman can jump into like you know, a monitor and zip back out through an electrical plug. She's very powerful. She grabs a hold of Firestorm and just is electrocuting the mess out of him to the point where almost his heart stops. And he decides he, he's got to stop her somehow. He can't zap her with water because he'll get fried himself. So he zaps the electrical panel box for the whole building with water, which shorts out the whole building's electrical system and shorts her out as well, basically. She's got to get out of there or she's going to be, uh, she's going to tur basically turn off. So she retreats, lights come back on, everyone's okay, and there's a message flashing on the monitors that says, attention, Bell Haney, tomorrow night at midnight, you will die. And Firestorm then kind of whispers to the professor that he's pretty sure he got a good look at Bite's face and Bite is actually teenager Blythe Bonner. Dun, dun, dun. So then, uh, just a quick mention on the letters page. It is promising the graphic, the, the quote-unquote upcoming graphic novel Corona by Jerry Conway and Pat Broderick, which never came to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll talk about that another day as we get to some of the annuals where we think some of the material was adapted. And we also see a cover, uh, a stack cover of issue number 24, so which is a great cover. I love it. So, real quick, Rob, what did you think of it? Uh, it's fun. I mean, villain-wise, I think Bite is kind of like at the lower end of Jerry's creativity. 
in terms of his villains. Uh, I mean, he was really knocking it out of the park for like the first year of Firestorm with, you know, Killer uh, Killer Frost and uh, uh, Slipknot, you know, of course. Uh, no, Multiplex <laughs> and some others. Yeah, no, no, no. Multiplex and, and uh, Hyena and all those guys. I think Bite isn't really quite as good. I think like in the comparisons we made to Stan Lee in his first couple of years on Spider-Man, like I'd say Bite is sort of like Molten Man, like to that level. Like it's Aww. not a little less inspired. Nevertheless, it's got some cool visuals, and that one panel of her on Firestorm's back yeah. is really great. I really love it, and I mm-hmm. sort of like the dead face that she has on that that screen. So you know, the character you know hasn't aged terribly well just because of it, it was so tied into the 1980s. But no, it's still a lot of fun. I said, I think we've mentioned this on like almost virtually every segment we've done here of these classic issues. Is that <laughs> Jerry was like frighteningly consistent you know like this is just really solid superhero heroic adventures and there's been some not quite as good as others like the gene Collin one but for the most part there really hasn't been like a huge dip in quality uh, i think this the whole scenes with cliff carmichael is kind of like a little weak you know does the, does the high school only have four people in it i mean <laughs> uh cliff carmichael doesn't have to do as far i remember from high school none of the football players ever played we're in the school play, but okay. Um, I'm just thinking his girlfriend, Doreen, that Wench tried him running into doing it probably. All right. And I, but I really do like the, the final thing of the threats coming over the computer screens. I just mm-hmm. find that very effective. For some, the, the idea of like, you know, something murderous being in a computer. That's a, yeah. that's a, that, you know, hell, that's even more relevant today than it would was then. So, Well, I, I will agree and disagree with you. I will agree that, yes, the bite is very dated for the time. However... The other half of this, which you guys haven't seen yet, and I, sorry, I'm going to spoil next issue a little bit for you. The robot that was being controlled, that wasn't Bite that was doing that. That was her partner, Bug. Uh, so next issue you'll be introduced to Bug. So the, the, it's actually a villain duo of Bug and Bite. Bug and Bite, right. Exactly. So Bug is who's controlling the robot. Um, and Bug is very much, uh, again, of the 90s, kind of, or of the 80s kind of thing. But... The, the character concept, electricity, you know, electronics, and you know, viruses and stuff, they really are very relevant. They just need a, a, a facelift. I mean, I've said this before a million times on the show. Remake them as malware and terror bite. Yeah, you know, there you go. Like Done. Yep. Or, or worm and kilobyte, you know, or something like that. The idea is just waiting for modernization. And it, they would be a great duo. They really would. We've got the hot chick who can do electrical stuff and the guy who, you know, the nerdy guy who controls computers it works well so as you said she looks great i love the uh the face like i I don't know how to describe it like when you see first see her face um what page is that let me see uh page 18 and it's just like it's just some very simple lines almost like the shape of a face behind that glass plate and it's in the weird shadowing it's just so cool it looks – it's just really creepy as hell when you see that. I'd be scared as hell of that face if I wasn't, you know, dealing with that. It's reminiscent of computer graphics at the time. Oh, that's true too. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. And then um, what else? The, the Kirby Crackle that she's just got all over the place going on, the blue Kirby Crackle. I mean it's a really solid color scheme of just white and blue. You know, it really stands out. I think she looks great. Um, again, maybe it needs a modernization. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too close to this material. I think Bite's a great character. I, I love her to death. So, the other things in the issue I thought looked cool, like the the, sp- the splash page, the very first page where Firestorm's flying over the bridge. I mean, just really detailed. You could tell Kanan was really going for the details in the beginning of the story. 
And the saving the train with the giant magnet looks great. And then when Ronnie or Firestorm gets in trouble with uh, Felicity Smoke and he goes to sort of pout over the Statue of Liberty, the Statue of Liberty is completely in shadow. And so it, it just gives you that sense of mood that things are sad. I think, uh, let me see, on, on page seven, here's something that just blew my mind. Page seven has 12 panels. 12 panels. Nobody's going to draw 12 panels nowadays. You know, the fact that Cannon, who was still very new in his career, was able to do something like this, you know, and I don't know how much this is Cannon and how much is Rodriguez, because Rodriguez is the embellisher, which means it did more than just inking. Right. But either way, you know, I would assume Cannon did the panel design at the very least. And uh, it, it looks great. I mean, I, I just, that blew me away. Firehawk looks great. Such a solid, great looking character. The dripping bubblegum looks really, really cool. And, um,. You know, all in all, it's I, I think it's a fun issue. I think it's a great part one, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to part two. And by the way, part two does feature the 16-page insert of Blue Devil's first appearance. Ah, what's the over-under before Firehawk shows up on one of the live-action TV shows? Oof. Um, I, I, I don't think it's real high. Oh, you – oh, my God. Have you now, learned nothing I was going to say, I'm wrong every time, though. You remember this. Oh. Every, I'm the one who said we're never going to have Firestorm in live action. You know, if I, was, if I was more like you, i.e. not as good of a person, I would dig out <laughs> clips of you going, oh, they're not going to do Firestorm in the TV show. And I was like, they are doing Firestorm. That's why they're doing Ronnie Raymond. That's why they're doing these characters. But I'm not going to do that. Unlike wow. the way you did for me when I got the Jason Momoa thing wrong and I pulled the Batman-sized boner on that. Uh, you know, you know, I th- I think it was enough to say that you wouldn't do that to me without having to point out, like for the audience at home, lead them by the elbow, making them realize I did that already. I think they knew that. I think you're insulting the audience's intelligence by you know having to go that far to point that out. Okay. <laughs> you don't care. You don't like the audience anyway. You, <laughs> you tell me that off air all the time. So. There's a reason he's not doing a world tour, folks. He doesn't want to meet you. <laughs> I'm not allowed out of New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I, when I went to go visit him, he wouldn't come see me in Philly, in Pennsylvania. I had to drive across the Jersey border to see him. So yeah, I guess there's some truth in that. Yeah, yeah. I pissed off Chris Christie. That's all, I'm, that's all I'll say. <laughs> I think it's a, 23 is a great issue. 23 is my lucky number anyway. I, I love this. It's, it makes me happy. I think Why Bug is and Bite, 23 your lucky number? It's a long story. I think Bug and Bite are great characters. I, I, it's funny they get picked on a lot. I mean, but you know why is why is Bite any worse or better than you know Electro? You know, another electrical Spider-Man villain. What's you know why is Bite any worse than him? She at least can jump into computers and jump in out of light sockets and stuff. I, mean, I, just, I, I just think it's because Bug and Bite are so de- de- tied to a specific time. I think that's why. I mean, a bite, a bite is pretty specific. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, the tiny little packet of information. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, ter- terror bite. I'm just telling you, it's, it's just built for the, the, the what, 2015s? Malware, malware and virus. Although, they're eh, both the same thing. That is the same thing. That's why you get malware and terror bite. Yeah, I got it. You've, all right, you've said it like six see, times. See, now. it's not terabyte, it's terror. Yeah, I, I got it, yeah. See, ter- it's, 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 Great. A, it's a double play on words. Or kill Obite, but that seems a little dated too. <laughs> Megabyte just implies they're fat, so I don't want to. That, that's not going to go over well. Not in the new fifty-two, that's for sure. No. All right, folks. Enough about that. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play a couple of podcast promos, and when we come back on the other side. We are going to have your listener feedback. Welcome to Astro City, a pulp to pixel podcast, an issue by issue ratings and review of. 
Greenland comic book series Astro City by the writer-artist team of Kurt Fusick, Brent Anderson, and Alex Ross. You can find episodes of Welcome to Astro City and other Pulp to Pixel podcasts at pulptopixel.blogspot.com, pulptopixel.tumblr.com, through the iTunes store under the Pulp to Pixel podcasts, and through Facebook at the Pulp to Pixel podcast webpage. Man, you come right out of a comic book. The Pulp to Pixel Podcasts, exploring the media multiverse of geek culture. Hi, my name is Russell Bragg, and I host the DC Comics Presents show, a podcast where I talk about the comic book entitled DC Comics Presents, a comic where any member of the DC Comics universe will team up with one of the world's greatest superheroes, a superhero that needs no introduction. A superhero who, no matter in what era you hear the music for, you will know who the music is dedicated to. When you find yourself in danger, when you're threatened by a stranger, when it looks like you will take a licking, <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for Super Chicken. Oops, wrong hero. There, that's better. Uh, where was I? Oh yeah, Superman, DC Comics Presents. In 1978, for Superman's 40th anniversary, DC Comics decided to give him his own team-up book, similar in vain to Brave and the Bold. In this book, Superman could team up with any character in the DC Universe, be it friend or foe, hero or villain. And this is a show that talks about each and every issue. There are 97 issues, plus the four annuals. And I'll be dedicating an episode to each one individually in date order. If you'd like to find out more about this podcast, go to the show's main website at dccpshow.com. That's dccpshow. If you'd like to subscribe to the show, the DC Comics Presents show can be found on iTunes or Stitcher. All right, folks, we're back from break, and now it's time for... Listeners And folks, this feedback is going to be specific to episode 134, which is the last time we did a review episode. So while you may have left comments on other shows, maybe the Blackhawk episode or or other ones that we've done, this is going to be very specific to that episode. So if you want to hear your feedback on this issue, be sure to leave it along with comments for episode 141 we're recording today, and you'll hear it on the next review show. Rob, you want to kick us off? Yes, we got an email from Earth2Chris. We all know who he is. Man, Aquaman took a nosedive quick. I am so sorry to see this. I have never understood taking something successful and mixing up a winning formula just because of, well, cause. That's just nuts. Here's hoping this is going somewhere and Bonham McCarthy take the title back toward what was proven to work after this arc. I'm with Shag. Good lord, did I just type that? This sounds very <laughs> much like sort of Atlantis. As for Firestorm Classic... This issue, thanks, you've gotten him involved in this. This issue does have fill-in written all over it. It's not a bad idea to get new readers up to speed. Firestorm is one of DC's top titles, and maybe the top brass felt the new readers needed a crash course. Sal Trapani was Dick Giordano's brother-in-law. Dick was married to Sal's sister, so he would pop in and out of both Charlton and later DC from time to time. 
He did take the Broderick right out of the art, but they're both listed as artists, which is weird, so I'm wondering if Broderick just did layouts. I can imagine the look on Shag's face when Professor Sign finally spoke to him. Imagine I've been waiting for that for 30 years. Looking forward to the expletive tag on the Jason Momoa soundbite episode. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, also heard from our buddy Martin Stein Returns, who's uh, secretly Robert Gross. He says, although they never confirmed it, I, by the way, okay, I speculated about Ronnie's friend in high school, Jefferson, also known as Jackson, and his name changes quite a bit. So uh, Robert was kind of coming with some speculation here. Okay. He goes, although I never confirmed it, I have always surmised that Ronnie's friend was named Jefferson Jackson. Two reasons for this one. Because at least once I recall, Ronnie called him Jeff for short. Couldn't tell you where, but I'm sure it happened. And you truncate a first name more typically than the last. Second, Jefferson is a more plausible first name than Jackson would be. So the only thing that makes sense to me is it was interchangeably referred to as Jefferson and Jackson because his name was Jefferson Jackson. What really probably happened, however, is that Jerry Conway originally gave the character one J initial, slightly stereotypical African-American surname, forgot what it was midstream, got confused, and started referring to him with another J initial, slightly stereotypical African-American surname. Quite possible. Another Jefferson Jackson theory, possibly editorial, told Jerry to change the character's name as not to be confused with Jefferson Pierce, a.k.a. Black Lightning. So Jerry Lee quietly did a soft retcon. Around the same period of time, this happened with, of all characters, Captain Carrot, who was originally named Roger Rabbit up until a certain movie got greenlit by Warner Brothers. And then suddenly the character became Rodney Rabbit due to uh, editorial mandate. Now this is Shag. That also happened on The Greatest American Hero. I don't know if you remember this, Rob. Uh, The teacher was Mr. Hinckley. And then John F. Hinckley took a shot at President Reagan. And so suddenly the teacher became Mr. H for a while. And then Mr. Hinkle. I know. I've never heard that story. Quietly slipped that in. Martin goes on to say, as for the... Oh, and, you know, we we did discuss why they redid Firestorm's origin so recently uh, in issue 22. And he goes, as for the retelling of the origin at this point, I would guess it was because Firestorm was just about to be unleashed upon the public in the Super Friends cartoon. The powers that be knew this knew this, and figured a new jumping on point was due for the series itself to coincide with what was going to be a major quantum leap and mainstream exposure for the character. You know, um, Robert, I had never considered that. That is a very strong possibility. That would make a lot of sense because, you know, 1984, it was September 1984 when the when Firestorm joined the Super Friends. This would have come out in, what do we say, like January 94? So I'm sure they were 84. probably in the – I'm sorry, 84. So they were probably in the planning phases by then, you would think. So could very well be. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, theory. Yeah. Uh, we got an email from Ange, our uh, recent guest star, Ange. He says, as for Aquaman, I don't collect the book, but it bums me out to hear that the title is unraveling a bit. Hope they course correct for Rob. At least he still has a book, which I refuse to tolerate Ange's whining <laughs> because I was like, you're getting a TV show, Ange. I don't want to hear it. I mean, I know Aquaman's getting a movie, but he's getting – Supergirl's getting a TV show that looks like it is like a hit in the making. So please, Ange, I'm not taking any of that. It does look like it's full of wind. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. By the way, we're gonna have to Ange, have Ange back on the show so I can talk to him. I was I was pretty I was pretty jealous. You got you have to speak with him. I'm... Hey, you snooze, you lose. <sighs> All right. A couple other quick comments we heard from Dale Russell said, "Good show, good comic." I assume he was talking about Firestorm. Heard from Gareth Oliver, uh, who said that he had posted his thoughts over on the Shrine. That's the AquamanShrine.net. If you've never heard of it, folks, uh, about Aquaman number forty-one and forty-two. But more, the most important thing to co- ever come out of Gareth's fingers, he typed, "Agree with Shag about forty-two. So he could have just left it with "Agree with Shag" and been done. But you know, he got a little more specific. 
heard from our buddy Aaron Head Moss over at from the Head Speaks and the and Task Force X podcast. By the way, I was on Aaron's uh, Head Speaks podcast recently. I had a lot of fun chatting about comics in the 90s and 80s. And he goes, ah, another Firestorm cover that makes me smile. Uh, we got a message from Van Z. He, well, actually, this was a message, I guess, directed at Firehawk. Because he just wrote, hey, Firehawk, how you doing? <laughs> I was hoping you'd get the Joey Tribbiani uh, tone in your voice there. Well done, sir. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff, um, love on the social media pages from various people. So uh, we're going to break these lists up. Uh, I will start on, this is the uh, messages or shares we got on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, Plus, etc. Well, and, look, yes? just to be more specific, what this is, is this is people that either shared or retweeted, basically took our content and put it on their timeline. So not just favoriting it, but actually took the time to put it out there for their people to see. So we really appreciate that. That means a lot. That really helps spread the word of the show. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, we got uh, Anthony Starr. I'm, I'm not going to read everybody's thing because this is just too long. Anthony <laughs> Starr, Ariel the Lionhearted, Army of Skanks, Blue Tyson, Bruno Venom, Buck, Count Druncula, DCU Movie Page, Dr. G, the Man of Nerdology, uh, DS and RS, Head Speaks, Hero Fans, JSlab425, Keith <laughs> Baker. Keith. <laughs> He didn't miss that either. Keith G. Baker, <laughs> Court Industries, Louis D. Bruin, uh, Lucien Dessar, Luke Dobb, Paul Loves Comics, Pulp 2 Pixel, Randy Micah Smith, Robert Lewis, Siskoid, Soldier Marvel Disney, The Flash Podcast, The Hammer Strikes, Trucker Talk, Tyson V, Victoria, Vishnu Ganon, and Widom's PC Repair. Nice. Very cool. And uh, this next list is folks who just gave us support, and we appreciate that. I, I don't mean just gave us support, but folks that, you know, liked us, favored us, all those things. So thank you so much for that support, folks. We really – and this is, again, specific just to episode 134. So uh, if, you, if you've given us support for other episodes, you will hear that down the line when we do a big listener feedback episode. So our thanks goes out to Andy Graves, Army of Skanks. I love saying that. Bat at uh, Chaparac. Bill Bailey, Blue Tyson, Brad O'Leary, Buck Roulette, Buck Roulette, Callum Nauer, Calvin Campbell, Chris Joseph Streetman, Count Druncula, Dale Russell, Darren and Ruth Sutherland, David Pascarella, David Golding Artist, uh, David Cristiano, Derek Ellicote, Dr. G of the Nerd Ma- Dr. G, the Man of Nerdology, Eddie G, Gene Hendricks, Giancarlo Nerlo, Glenn Force Foster, Glenn Walker, Herb Bunswell, Hero Fans, James Johnson, Jared West, Jeswin Abraham, John D. Knoll, John Walker, J Slab 425, <gasps> Keith G. Baker, Court oh, Industries. You started it years ago. I'm just bringing it back, bringing it back into fashion. Luke Dobb, the most dastardly creative man alive. Luke uh, Jack Jackanetti, Martin Scorer, Matt Webb, Max Romero, Mike Fedick, Mike Gillis, Mike Schmidt, Mr. Perturb, Oscar Blue Devil. Oh, he changed it. Oscar Paul Loves Comics. Pulp Pulp to Pixel. Randy Micah Smith. Robert Gross. Robert Lewis. Ronnie Ling. Rory Williams. Sean Carrick Hare. Sean Brock. Soldier Marvel Disney. The AMC 2000. The Hammer Strikes. The Pharaoh. Tim Fontaine. Tim Wallace. Trucker Talk. Tyson V. Van Vance Highstand. And Van King of the Lemur. Lemurs. Victoria. Vishnu Ganon, Widom's PC Repair, and Willie Yarborough. Woo! Rob, I think you should award the Steam Award. Yes, uh, we are giving out a Steam Award this time, and it is going to Zum Yukinori, who sent us another one of his Who's custom- that guy? Yes, he said the ridiculously talented Zum. He sent us another custom cover. It's, it's, it's Aquaman number 250 
Uh, and it's uh, released by the Fine Water Podcast as this, the comics label. And it's Aquaman and Mira about to stab each other. And it says, uh, special backstabbing 250th, 250th issue spectacular. Plus, Aquaman is drawn back to Atlantis. Again. <laughs> now, what did... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no! I just have to say, um, Zoom made a custom Fire and Water podcast logo, which is just a, a an F and a W. And if we ever decide to like sort of remove the Aquaman Firestorm content from this show, that's the logo we're using. I love that logo. That F and W. Well, he's got the F rolling back, like the DC logo right now. Yeah, I, so I love that. I yeah. think it's beautiful. We'll have to pay him a royalty though. <laughs> what it is, folks, is it's the Aquaman cover from a few months ago. I don't know if you recall in the last episode we talked about how if you were to add up every issue of an ongoing series of Aquaman, he just recently had his 250th issue. Right. So what Zoom did was he took that particular issue that would have been the cover and put all the trade dress on it, which is fantastic. It's absolutely a hoot. Love it. I think a while ago we said we weren't going to give Zoom any more awards, but clearly we've screwed that up. You know what? If he deserves it, he deserves it. Exactly. I mean, he really. This is fantastic. I, I, I love it. I, I think it's an absolute hoot. So, well, I think that's going to do it for this one, buddy. Yeah. Uh, are you going to come back next week, or? <laughs> I, I, I am have every intention of coming back next week. Yes, I do. Okay. And who knows? Uh, who knows what we might do next week? I guess we'll, uh, we'll have to ponder that. I, I wonder who we might talk about next week. Because <laughs> I don't want to make any promises I'm just giving hints, let's just say <laughs> Alright folks, that's going to do it You can find this guy I was going to call him my friend, but I had to correct myself Rob Kelly, over at AquamanShrine.net You can find him on Facebook and Twitter Under the same handle Don't go looking on Google+, because he's scared of the Google+. You know, you guys, you can. I'm sorry, you can also find me I recently posted some new Ace Killway strips And a lot, of the, a lot of the nuclear subs Were very kind enough to, to retweet And comment and like and stuff so i really appreciate that guys because that was a very a lot of the people that we just listed uh on the on the social media stuff did the same thing for the uh, ace kilroy little mini adventure we posted so thanks everybody appreciate that is that the award-winning ace kilroy comic strip uh, by, yeah, yes, by rob kelly and dan o'connor that is exactly that almost like a uh indiana jones meets universal monsters mashup <laughs> <laughs> yes it's exactly that. wow and where would they find this acekilroy.com perhaps that's right wow huh if only someone was around here to pimp those things. Um, so you can find me at firestormfan.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Instagram, and Tumblr, and maybe Pinterest, if I can remember my password. And then, what else? Oh, tell them how to, where to email us, Rob. Firewaterpodcast.comguest.net. The Tumblr is, of course, fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com. And the blog is fireandwaterpodcast.blogspot.com. All right. Well, folks, I guess that's it. But uh, until next time, fan the flame and ride the wave. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice and see on land. Friends forever. Yeah. How you doing? <laughs>